1: 18 plus at marshall's our buyers hustle every day for the brands you love tell me about the leather booties is that crystal Silk at that price? You've got a deal. With great deals always in store, come in and get more of the good stuff. Marshalls, get the good stuff.
0: Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino was America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes.
2: I'm Trey Struggle. Welcome to the Sons of UCF Live. Football returns home for a back-to-back rivalry game Saturday. The civil conflict is renewed, and it's the talk of the week. Will quarterback Dylan Gabriel play? Let us welcome in the Sons of UCF. Adam, we recognize, but filling in for UCF Mike, who's on vacation, it's UCF Biggie. Biggie, welcome to the show.
3: What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on.
2: Now, for folks that may not know your resume, let me let me go over these things. Uh,
3: started one of the first UCF clothing brands,
2: Nightmare Apparel, check. One of the founders of Kirk's Jerks, check. Helped name the arena, the dungeon, which I want to know a little bit more about. Owner of Deli Fresh Threads and hosts his own podcast, Lunch with Biggie. That's pretty good. You got a little Thanks, bit man. of connections to UCF with that. Give us this information about the dungeon. You cook that well, up?
3: Well, well, the other little thing that I was going to say is that my daughter's a uh, godfather's nitro, one of the original nitros. Um, so the dungeon, the the dungeon basically is I literally would have at the time when we would go to basketball games, no one was there. So obviously that was the greatest thing about it was that you can cause ruckus in the garage uh, and you can literally make so much noise. And I kept saying that the a dungeon is indoors and enclosed so therefore i called it welcome to the dungeon and so i literally almost every game had a a sign that said welcome to the dungeon um and it was too much to my delight when the announcers started using it as well and started saying you know welcome to the dungeon and uh and then ever since then that's kind of how it went and it it was uh one of the many little things that i'm very proud to to say that i was a part of and it was kind of fun to be able to see how it's uh how all the different little things from that we do at basketball games um, started by jerks. And, uh, and I think it was, it's, it's been fun, man. It was uh, definitely a good time.
2: Adam, did you know any of this? This is pretty good information off the top of the show tonight.
4: Yeah, I'll say I did not, even though I did, because Biggie and I talked for about 15 minutes before the show started. Uh, I'm just disoriented. I don't hear any dogs barking, Um, so I'm just disoriented. I don't know what's happening around here, so I'm going to try to keep it together tonight. Uh, But a lot of new things coming our way, so glad Biggie can join us. Obviously, uh, one of the uh, OG members, I guess, of the uh, the UCF Twitter mafia type stuff, so definitely glad to have him on the show and looking forward to hearing him uh, chat up with a few different folks tonight. It's going to be a lot of fun.
2: And an OG is Kevin Reese, who was our guest off the top tonight, uh, a longtime UCF
4: fan. I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to ask here. about this really quickly. Uh, yeah. Biggie can dance like a beast, yeah, according so to Dan if So,
3: we... Dan, that's a good that's a good one. I didn't want to I don't talk about it, but uh if you go on YouTube on the UCF Knights uh Facebook, uh YouTube page, I'm probably one of the most V- viewed videos and it's uh, UCF. And the, the reason it's the reason it's so popular is not because of me. It's the little child, the little child. Um, there's a baby while I'm dancing, dancing uh, like, like this as I'm dancing. So it's, it's a really weird video. I don't know how it has as many views as it does on. Uh, and I keep ask waiting for like, I think taco now has finally passed me on that on it. But at one point I was the most viewed video. Um, it's pretty crazy.
4: I feel like uh, um, UCF Mike has just accepted a challenge somewhere. <laughs> so check well, back soon. Yeah. <laughs> For other reasons, by the way, let's, well, I digress.
2: All right. Some news to start off with UCF's changed its Knighthead logo. Did you guys see it? What did you think about it? That's described as more expressive, straight on, aggressive stare, and uh, new intimidating eyes.
4: Yeah, we were talking off the air. I, I was surprised. I guess I wasn't, uh, it just kind of came out of nowhere. It wasn't something I think that anybody was sort of tracking to. Um, so I was sort of surprised to see it. It's a nice, clean look. I mean, there's nothing really aesthetically wrong with it. Um, the, uh, I guess the star there on the collar line is an homage, it looks like, to some of the stuff in the space program. Uh, it does look like it's staring through my soul, though. So I don't know how I feel. <laughs>
3: There, There's certain elements to it. Like, and I've seen it on, obviously, everyone likes the nitpick. I love the fact that it was done in house. Um, I think that's great. There are some aspects of sometimes when I stare at it very quickly, I think that he's looking like he's got a turtleneck on and he's kind of like <laughs> covering his eye. Like, he's like kind of like almost like a Mr. Wilson uh, effect um, from like, you know, maybe it's um, his mask. The... Maybe it's yeah. his
2: COVID era mask.
3: <laughs> could be that. That's exactly what it looks like. And <laughs> maybe it's perfect for 2021. But yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's going to be good. I think they needed to do something different. I love, I really think the, the main one is really just because they don't really use the knighthead as much. I thought, um, I think that the one that's really the more popular one, the one that everyone has gravitated to is the Knights, um, that script Knights area where it's become the second level branding. I think that's the one that everyone kind of wants. Um, at the end of the day, to be honest, my wife and daughter, they don't care. They just want more UCF merchandise. And if this means that we get more merch, that they actually can wear and buy, then I'm down for it.
2: Yeah, it'll be a supply and demand thing. They'll release seven shirts with this logo on <laughs> it, and they'll all be sold out in three seconds at the bookstore. Yep. On but yep.
4: email so. Terry Mohajer, and he'll promise you he'll get some more for you. <laughs> He may not
2: promise you directly, but he'll that Scott Carr or someone else. Scott
4: Carr is on it right now, yes.
2: I, I like the person that said they wanted hot chocolate uh, at the, the games. And that's Scott Carr, get him hot chocolate. <laughs> <But> the <laughs> hot dog thing has not been responded to by, uh, by Mike and others, right? Uh, some other news, of course, we learned this week that uh, linebacker Bryson Armstrong, done for the season with a torn ACL. We're gonna get some questions later on in the mailbox uh, about injuries. Uh, Alex Ward uh, among 10 finalists. See, this would be happy. Mike would be happy about this. Down to 10, not 106 finalists the Patrick Manley Award for best uh, long snapper. Broyles Award, T. Will nominated for best assistant coach. That list has been narrowed to 59 names, so not quite as exclusive. And, of course, uh, Black Friday against the Cows, 330 on ESPN. A biggie, what do you think a lot about a little bit of an audible? I, I have next on the rundown that we're going to talk about SMU-UCF yeah. uh, that uh, we're going to talk about the civil conflict. I, I say, I say we just – Toss that out and get to really the big news, right? right Dylan Gabriel is Dylan Gabriel going to play? This has been a bit of a controversy all week. First, before we get into the controversy, let's hear from Coach Malzahn during his Monday media availability.
5: And practice well, so that was uh, that was exciting. It uh, was really the first time that been out there with the offense and all that. So we'll see how it goes, you know, day to day and week to week, and and uh, we'll see what happens.
2: What is he able to do in practice at this point?
5: Yeah, he was able to participate uh, in practice and do what a normal quarterback could do.
2: He can do what a normal quarterback can do. Of course, that press conference about 1130 on Monday, a few hours earlier, Mark Daniels, the voice of the Knights with a column out at 96.9, essentially indicating we may never see Dylan suit up for the Knights again. And. Uh, That he may even enter the transfer portal and it uh, set uh, Twitter mafia and message board lurkers into a frenzy. I asked my big question on Twitter. Will we see Dylan play again this season for the Knights? No, 61%. Yes, 39%. Guys, what do you think of this faux controversy during civil conflict week?
4: I had all these UConn notes that I was hard to cover <laughs> for crying out loud. They're I mean, just tossed that. Oh my! They're
2: 197th I, against the run, and they're only 130 teams. I yeah, mean,
4: they're, they're doing three six points a game. I was really excited about that stat. Uh, look, Nick this Patty's is coming era. up.
2: You'll be able to hit him with okay. your hard. All hitting, right, I'm gonna have to recycle the know, UConn now. questions.
4: Yeah, obviously it was kind of a non right? Because, you know, one thing came out, another thing came out. And the reality is none of us really know. Um, and, and here's the challenge. We live in an era now where... This is just what the new norm is, right? Players have ultimate power and what they want to do. And we're all just going to have to sort of live with that. And, and I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. That's just the reality that we're in. I certainly hope we haven't seen the last of Dylan Gabriel, but I also could understand if he doesn't want to come back this season for whatever those reasons would be. I thought that Tommy was interesting. Um, and that's where you get a little bit stuck. I think I can relate, Trace, to, to doing something like this each week. You know, we're on a we're on a microphone. We say things. And maybe sometimes people assume we know something or there's some information. So I can understand how you get kind of caught in that conundrum, but uh, it, it's a, it's a sticky spot. I'm glad it seems to be a non I don't know what it means when they says he can do everything a normal quarterback does. I don't know how to, how to best interpret that. Although that's kind of Gus speak. Um, uh, so I hope we haven't seen the last of Dylan, but we live in the era now where anything's a possibility. And I think we all have to just recognize and understand that. Shoot, we saw the best player, arguably, in UCF history and, Mac- and Mackenzie Milton leave us. Uh, so I-, I think we we all know that the possibilities exist, unfortunately.
2: So real quick, you don't think there's any controversy to this, that it's uh, put out in a column? It's not sourced, not a whole lot of journalism going um, on here? Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, I I guess in terms of the um, the professional uh, way that it was kind of uh, brought forward, I guess, is something that can be debated just in terms of is there something here? Meaning is Dylan not playing playing? I think, you know, Gus kind of put that out. Again, what what Mark's uh, goals were with that column, what he was trying to convey. I guess we could definitely put that under the uh, sun's microscope a little bit. But in terms of of what this means for his playing future, it sounds like uh, those things are still not necessarily as dire as they seem to be in the column.
3: Yeah, I, what's interesting to me is the fact that, like, I, and obviously everyone goes nuts over anything that he posts on social. So obviously, he, when he posted something earlier, It was just kind of weird how it all kind of went because he posted a video um, where it almost looked like he was like, I'm coming back. Like, that's what it kind of like, that's the feeling I had. And then all of a sudden it was like Mark Daniels, article comes out. um, And I don't think he, I don't think he is. I don't, I don't, I don't know if he's actually going to come. I don't, I don't think he's coming back at least this season. Um, Would I love him to be this season? Yes. I would love to see UCF have offense again um I would I would really appreciate that but like I don't
2: see UCF have offense again
3: yes I mean I would it's it's really it's it's really sad um what we used to wa- what we used to watch it makes you really appreciate what we had compared to what what how it is and when it's run properly what it can be done but um I don't think he's coming back and and I do I hope he comes in for another year yeah I do I hope he does um you know, I, he's he's not he's never won a champ. He's never won a conference championship, so I would love for him to win a conference championship.
2: It seems to me that perhaps Dylan Gabriel and his close circle, his family, his friends, know what's going on. Maybe you know, and maybe Dylan hasn't even decided this. It's only fair for each player, no matter the sport, to consider their options. I understand why night fans are concerned about it, but what real information do we have? I mean, to support what you're saying, Adam, about non-controversy. It's just a lot of message board chat, right? And people just in a froth over this. Uh, we don't really have in, any information, though I could understand why UCF coaches are concerned. I mean, we're just a couple of weeks away from early signing period. UCF's got to look at who their quarterback's going to be in 2022, and you'd like to think Dylan Gabriel would be a part of that mix.
4: Yeah, I think the thing we keep forgetting is these are uh, 18, 19, 20-year-old kids who, you know, we didn't grow up with social media. And, you know, us 3 were in the older generation, I guess. We didn't grow up with social media, so we didn't have this at our disposal. And nowadays, kids just want to go and post a cool video. Someone made a cool edit. It's got a cool soundtrack, so let's post a video out. We all take it like, oh, he's coming back, or he's not, or oh, he's trolling us. And and maybe that is the intended purpose. I think the only wrinkle you have to think about this now is, and, you know, I, I'll put this in air quotes, but I, I think it's accurate. I mean, Dylan's also a businessman now, right? I mean, he's, he's got his brand, he's got his different endorsements. So perhaps there's a business uh, lean to some of these things that allows him or, or makes it advantageous for him to keep his name out there, to keep videos out there, right? It wasn't soon after that video came out. I think he did a speech on campus for addition financial. Then I think there was something else later after that on a new merch drop. So, we have to forget these, these kids are also now businessmen, they're entities, they're brand builders. So there, there's that factor as well, which, which sucks because, you know, ideally we all just wanted it to be in the football field, but we had to recognize that there are complexities that goes on, that goes on in these kids' lives that I guess we, we oversimplify, but to them, I mean, this is, this is something they're building. that's important to them.
3: Can I ask you guys a question? Have you, and since you guys are probably way more in time, line and looking at this, has there anyone? Has there been a, a, an athlete who has signed or has these crazy, you know, name, image, likeness deal that actually has um, been successful? I feel like everyone who signed all these deals they've either have been injured. Like it's like a weird. It's almost like the Madden, the Madden curse. It's like the name, Im, image, likeness curse. Like, have we seen anyone who's actually like killing it on the business side and also on the field? Because I don't think yeah, that that. I've seen
4: one. The top the name Eric that comes King to mind. My, my. Well yeah, but he's injured. He didn't even he's I think injured. the top name that comes to mind is Pocket Money. <laughs> uh, Nick Saban said that Bryce Young was making or could make six figures as the quarterback at Alabama. He's had a pretty good season. I mean, I think yeah. there's some low key Heisman chatter for him, but I mean, to your point, big of the other guys, DJ, uh, I don't know if I said that name right or if I put too many lines at the end there, then uh, he he's been injured. Spencer Rattler got a car and is now sitting on the bench with his car. So, I mean, I don't know. Uh, that's a, that's a fair point. I, I guess Bryce Young off the top of my head would be the, the main guy I can think of that perhaps, Um, I think the Notre Dame offensive line has a deal with like Sonny's barbecue that could be working out well though. You know what's
2: interesting to me too is that when you have Dylan with DG the brand right that's his own brand but what sort of contractual arrangement does he have with addition financial and what happens if he were to enter the portal go to another school it's all a brand new world right with nil let's uh get into all of adam's notes with former ucf quarterback nick <laughs> patty uh nick I, I don't know if you saw it earlier i ditched the part where we were going to review the smu game and look ahead <laughs> to the civil conflict and adam had pages and pages nick, of i've notes. got He'll all
4: these yukon scouting reports I here that i can't use now unbelievable
2: <laughs> so let us begin uh There was not. We were texting back and forth. I was in Dallas for the SMU game. Not a lot to like about that. What was your big takeaway? I I, got to think that the offense not being able to do more, again struggling on third down, put the defense on the field uh, a lot, and uh, certainly uh, defense didn't look good on Saturday in Dallas.
5: Yeah, um, it it was it was tough to watch. I think it was like a slow bleed for the defense. I think. you know, the offense, it was pretty easy to maybe get a little frustrated with the defense, but then you look at how many plays they were on the field in the first half. I think it was well over 50. Um, you know, so they're just not, we're not giving them enough rest. They're not getting put in advantageous situations, regardless of field position. Uh, they look sluggish. I mean, it's just really hard to, you know, one, we can't find a rhythm on offense. We can't stay on the field. And I think there's a multitude of reasons for that. The offensive line looked poor um and they look kind of lethargic and sluggish I think you know our our both in the run game and the pass game the offensive line just kind of looks incompetent at times um and then I just think on the the defensive side I mean we just can't help them out you can't expect them to go out and shut down an offense as as potent as SMU um with being put on the field in that many you know snaps so um you know there's Bunch of ways we could fix it, but I think that's kind of what it boils down to as to why they sort of ran through us.
4: Nick let's talk about Mark Anthony Richards for a second he was the sort of the lone bright spot maybe offensively in this game Uh, we saw him also play really well against ECU but we haven't seen him a ton and it's kind of a head scratcher for a lot of folks is why he's not getting more playing time I guess one of the prevailing speculative uh, speculative theories would be he's not good in pass protection maybe maybe that part of his game uh, isn't as strong but he seems to be a pretty solid runner particularly when we have Bowser not in the game it feels like we need that how much stock do you put into to not playing a Mark Anthony Richards if his if his pass protection isn't up to snuff do you think that's a good enough reason to not have him in the field if he's you know head and shoulders maybe the best runner we have at that time
5: no I don't think it's a good enough reason uh especially because our pass protection hasn't been very good um you know so it's it's not like anybody is a world beater back there for us I especially think because um why I scratch my head about it is because obviously Bowser is like the most imposing presence we have as a runner um and we've kind of been needing someone to take that load off of him and and we've sort of seemingly had that right and you're asking like maybe he wouldn't have had so many injury issues if we could have gotten the, you know the carries spread out and why why so scattered in time right and obviously he's a talented kid I don't think pass protection is a big issue especially for an offensive minded coach like gush you would think he would have some things built into where if you've got a back that that's not his strong suit he could uh you know, you throw, keep your tight end in to, to chip and help out. I mean, you can find ways to, to hide guys like that, especially if you need help at that position. And so I, I, it's, a, it's a bright spot, right, to see that you've got one more talent back there that you can mix into the game, right? So it's a little bit encouraging to see him get a little bit more, uh, more run, but it's confusing as to why that has been the case. But I, I, I would agree, I mean, or, or at least to answer your question, say no, that's not a good enough reason
3: so I just need to know as obviously as a quarterback when you experience how fu- how frustrating and what can you politely tell your receivers how how come you drop the ball so much <laughs> like is there is there a polite way to do it because obviously you know what I mean like I just i it's very frustrating to see like when the good passes actually are coming going out and you see them just drop like it, it's got to be disheartening for you one as a quarterback but two like What? How the heck do we improve that?
5: Yeah, it's uh, that's a that's a that's a slippery slope, right? Because those are your guys, and that's um, you know, in my experience with that type of thing, it it was it's always sort of a build up throughout the week, right? So when you go through games and that's an issue, or it's an elongated issue throughout a couple games, in practice you were having the same issues, right? And so in you know, it, it wasn't something that just you show up on game day and they forgot how to catch the ball. It's, it's like a frustration that's almost been building. Um, and, and again, this is just in my experience. But so the, the one thing I do know, too, about the quarterback receiver relationship is um, they're a much different personality, which you guys, you know, I'm sure would agree with. And so the snippy comments don't work. Um, yeah, every once in a while, I think it's good to light a fire if it's appropriate, you know, to get those guys fired up. They're very prideful guys, even though um, are a different personality, but, uh, most receiver groups pride themselves in that type of stuff. So every once in a while, it's, it's good to get them fired up, but, um, you know, it's tough as a true freshman, I think to stand on that platform. Um, right. So I think it's more the coach's job at that point to, to light a fire. And, and if there's any dialogue, it should come from the coaches, um, or maybe even DG, right. I know he's not playing right now, but he certainly has the respect of the team to be able to, to light those guys up with not as much, um, you know, maybe repercussions as, as Mikey would have. Right. So you'd you'd almost like to see him jump in and get in their grill a little bit and get them fired up. But I mean, that's just those guys getting on the jugs and freaking, you know, as much effort and time as they can put in to get that sorted out. I think that's just a a repetitions thing and, and going through a little bit of a funk. Maybe it's, you know, obviously those guys aren't, aren't cycling through, um, with a ton of you know backup support right so there could be a little bit of a fatigue issue who knows what it is but frustrating uh, as all get out especially with an offense that isn't doesn't have much going right and you can't find a rhythm for mikey that's a killer and for any quarterback it's a killer because it's like man just nothing nothing can go right especially when your run game's not there to bail you out and you're getting a bunch of drops it's seemingly feels very helpless but um you know, I think it. Once again, we saw how good he can kind of carry his composure and keep pushing. And maybe it's just the true freshman thing, where he's just too young and naive to do any different, right? And he's just going to keep ripping it. So, um, you know, extremely frustrating, but hopefully they get it corrected.
2: Earlier, you mentioned Dylan Gabriel. Monday, Coach Malzahn said that he had returned to practice. Pressed a little bit on that. Coach Malzahn said he was doing football things. He was out there playing football. You know, okay, what, with the with this team, you know they're in Dallas Saturday. They fly back. They do a lighter practice on Sunday, Monday a day off. What do you take from that? Uh, you know, you, you may not know Dylan's health, but when you hear that he's at practice, what do you, what do you think that means when Coach Malzahn's talking about? It? What's what's your reckless speculation, a uh, Sunset UCF <laughs> staple?
5: Yeah. Who knows? Right. Uh, Especially with a guy like Gus, he's, he's a, he's a wordsman, you know? So I, I think, you know, that could mean anything from, he took one set of, you know, team reps with the ones, or maybe he did seven on seven or shoot, maybe he warmed up and, and did, you know, skelly or run run game or something like that goal line period. It could mean anything, but I do think it's good to get him back in the mix in any capacity. Right. And, Regardless if he comes back and plays this year, I do think it's good for you know this team. I think he's sort of a, of a lifeblood. He's a talent that we all know can electrify the, the, the rest of the team. So Getting him involved, I think, can be good in a capacity. Other guys see him there. That's a little bit of a boost. That's a little bit of a, an encouragement for them. So, you know, who knows what that could possibly mean or when we'll see him again, if, if at all. But I do think it's good in any capacity for him to be involved.
4: Take us behind the curtain for a second, Nick. One of the things in the broadcast that I thought was telling was they they mentioned that Sonny Dykes, SMU's coach, said that he recognized UCF had a lot of younger players on special teams and thought that there could be an advantage for their team in that and that aspect of the game. What is the practice like for special teams? When when are they practicing? You know, obviously there are guys who are on offensive defense and so they're on both units. Take us behind the scenes of what that practice session looks like, how, how that comes together. Because we also saw Johnny Richardson make a kind of a gaffe on the goal line, maybe not knowing the rule exactly. So what does practice look like for special teams during the week?
5: Yeah, so it's it's extremely intertwined with the rest of, of practice, if you will. So, you know, and, and I went through a multitude of coaching gaps, and it was pretty much the same through them all. It was It's not very separated. It's not offense, you do defense, you do special teams. It was, you know, you've got – run game period and then you do punt and then you do seven on seven, then you do punt return and then you do, you know, one team period, and then you run through field goal. So it's, it's, it's complete, it's, you know, mixed in, in between every period, but it's, it's quick. You're, you're obviously not getting as many reps of that as you are with goal line or, or seven on seven or team period. So, you know, I think the difficult part with that, especially with younger guys is that you, you don't, as a coaching staff, a lot of them put an emphasis on special teams, but you don't have a, you know, an offense, every position has a staff member that they're allocated to on, on special teams. It's, you know, the Gunners or is the receivers coach or the DBs coach or, you know, and on kickoff, the L1 and the R2 are the linebackers coach or the defense coordinator, right? So it's not like you're sitting in there for special teams. That meeting is very quick. It's the first meeting of the whole day, usually with most of the team in there. You blow through it. It's it, if if anything can be overlooked, it's special teams, even with the coaches that put an emphasis on it. Um, and so, you know, I think that was a really frustrating thing to uh, to watch. Especially, I was on a team where that was uh, that happened as well in a really tough situation where a guy went back into the end zone, took a knee, and it's just you know seemingly a bonehead deal. His was a little bit more understandable with with his kind of motion taking him in there, but. Um, you know, with, with a lot of younger guys, it's even more so um, possibly overlooked because I don't think that's something that's emphasized to players of the importance of special teams. Uh, that's one of those hidden stats that you could see that win and lose games. But, you know, with a lot of younger guys on the team, those guys are worried about getting reps at their position and getting reps with the ones at their position. They're not necessarily – don't really give a hoot about being the R2 on kickoff, you know, or, or the you know gunner on punt. So, you know, I just think it's it's a tough thing on the coaching staff, but the good staffs really put an emphasis on it.
3: Yeah, that's – I totally – that was one of the things that I – Adam, you even brought up the fact that we don't have, like, actual special teams coach um, on, on the Sons of UCF. You mentioned that on this week's episode about how we seriously need one. And it's true. We've been lacking when it comes to that. Um, Nick, what – what are we going to see offensively for uh, uh offensively from this team this week against connecticut i i mean i feel like everyone i feel like everything obviously home cooking is like is always good for us but uh what like i i don't know what what i don't know what team we're watching every week it's like a different <laughs> a different thing so yeah. like what do you feel what do you feel we're going to actually see i mean obviously you're going to see a steady diet of run but what do you uh what do you think we're gonna actually see? Is it gonna be the same as what we're gonna do? We're just gonna like we've done against ECU and all the other games we've played against at home, where it's just gonna be a defensive battle, or, or are we actually gonna maybe see some form of offense?
5: I'd like to think that after the past couple of weeks, Gus having so much pride in his offense that he we'll let it loose a little bit and let it rip. And, and, and this is, these are two really big weeks for recruiting for us. Right. And I think it's really big on the offensive side of the ball that we light it up and try have nothing else to attract some talent in the doors. Right. And so these are, these are two big games, especially an in-state game with, with USF huge rivalry, you know? And so I sure would lean towards thinking that Gus will try to light it up and try to get creative and try to light a spark. Um, You know, depending on the quarterback situation too, I think that plays a huge role, but nevertheless, even if it 's Mikey, I think you take advantage of these two weeks with with nothing to lose you know i mean you 're not you're not playing for really much other than you know a nine win season, which is a strong showing and um you know I just think i think it it would be nine right correct me if i 'm wrong there but um, with
2: a, bowl win. With a bowl yeah win. with a bowl
5: win and so um you know, I just think it's important, too, to take advantage of as many reps as he can get in the passing game. One of the things that I really think um, that our offense has been lacking, and I was thinking about this, especially on third down and some of those third, like, clear passing down, um, third downs, is, uh, you know, our protections, it just kind of seems like they lack any kind of adjustment against the blitz or against the, you know, an, uh, an odd look that they didn't expect. There, There's no protection calls being shifts. There's no, you know – really changes being made. It was just kind of call it and run it from what I see. And, and maybe that a little bit has to do with Mikey being young, but um, again, there's nothing to lose by putting a lo- little bit more, you know, responsibility on his plate and in his hands so he can get um, acquainted with some of those, you know, shifts and protections. And um, yeah, I like to see them give him the keys a little bit more on that one. It, it slows it down a little bit. I mean, if it's third and seven, you know, we don't need to be the fastest team in the world. I think that's when you can slow it down a little bit, let him get himself in the right look. um, And I think they can help him. And I know that's not Gus's thing. It's not a pro style offense with a bunch of, you know, shifts and motions and stuff like that in protection. But at the same time, I think that that can help uh, a ton. I'd like to see them too mix up. We've been huge in the screen game, and I think it would help the pass protection to mix up with being all outside screens all kind of jailbreak style screens. And I think if we could get some screens in between the tackles, even with that's with tight ends and, you know, there's a, there's a lot of creative ways you can mix up in the screen game. And I think that slows down the pass rush a ton and we've done, everything has been on the edge, which I love using the whole field, but at the same time uh, there's other ways to slow down pass rush, than just freaking letting them pin their ears back and, and rock and roll. So uh, who knows? We've been uh, a jack of all personalities on the offensive side.
2: Uh, Nick, quick programming note with Thanksgiving next Thursday, the Sons of UCF Live will be on Wednesday. So check your schedule. Let me know if you can Love make it. it Wednesday about 8.15. Awesome. Uh, we will see you then. If not, have a safe and happy Thanksgiving. And we are thankful that you've been joining us all season to talk
5: to you guys too. Have a great holiday, man. Happy Thanksgiving. All Go Knights. Right, thanks, Nick.
2: Thanks, Nick. Right, John. Right, good stuff from Nick. And how about Biggie with the question? What do you what do you rip into these wide receivers dropping balls? Oh, you hit them with that hard-hitting question there, Biggie. I like that. Uh, bowls have shuffled a bit. And I've been talking about this every week, really to annoy Mike more than anything. You know, bowl projections after week one. And it's funny how it's gone from fiesta to cure over the course <laughs> of the season uh, for UCF. Here's the latest. CBS Sports has the Knights against Virginia Tech in the Military Bowl Action Network. They locked in on that Hawaii Bowl every week, and this week they say Nevada. Sports Illustrated, ESPN, one of the ESPN says against Florida in Birmingham, and the other ESPN projection has against North Carolina in the Fenway Bowl. I believe we get asked that question later on in the mailbox about which bowl we'd like to see him go in, but that is the latest. We've been talking a little bit about X's and O's. Adam, I know you're going to get to these UConn questions. I I just
4: thought I had one.
2: A really good follow on Twitter – is steven ulmer that's steven ulmer ll he's a ucf fan who covers analytics the x's and o's of ucf football we're gonna try something a little new tonight we're gonna to bring steven on steven welcome into the sons of ucf live and uh, perhaps we're gonna perfect this share screen and you're gonna document a little bit of play calling for us welcome in. yeah, yeah
0: thanks for having me uh yeah i'm gonna start going through plays i guess all right
2: go to it show us what you got Share screen, reminding everyone of their Zooms and Webexes at their meetings during the week. How's it going, Steven? Uh, no pressure.
3: Can right. I ask a question while Steven's getting all prepped up? Um, I was going to ask. I was going to ask Nick this question, but I'm kind of curious where where is Coach Gus going to be uh, mm. coaching the game from this
4: uh, this week? I'm going to uh, guess I, Booth, Biggie. I, I think he he seemed frustrated at that table. I don't really know what that what that did from other than provide the Internet with more memes, yes. uh, which we always need more memes on the Internet. I think he goes <laughs> Booth. But I saw Deion Sanders, I think it was Rejoice Knights, uh, tweeted at us that Deion Sanders had some form of a leg injury and was on one of those uh, motorized scooters. So maybe, maybe <laughs> that's an option. I don't I don't really know. He also had a blanket on his lap. I don't think Gus will have that. So I go I go booth Biggie because that table just looks silly. I go yeah. booth too. Steven, how's it coming?
0: You ready? Yeah, it's, I'm having trouble. Sorry.
2: Oh, if you've watched yeah. the show before, technical yeah, problems.
0: But pretend like he's
4: not there. We're fine. We'll just keep it moving.
2: It's no big deal. You got about another minute, and then you're just going to have to do sock puppets to describe it or something. Mm-hmm. All right. just, just going to have to talk us through. And,
4: yeah, me, Trace, and Biggie can act it out. Just tell us what, what you need us to do. Uh, I'll be the offensive know. line. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Traces, if you uh, heard Biggie
2: earlier, let me help you with one of the X's and O's. Wide receivers sometimes drop balls. To
3: catch, mm. yeah. <laughs> need,
4: need, need, need to catch I'm those. Just trying uh, to be nice.
3: That and, you know, it's just very frustrating. It's very frustrating to watch. And I'm and I i glad Nick brought up the jugs because I'm like, who doesn't love a good uh, good jugs? Everybody uh, loves and jugs. You gotta, and, you, you know, know, you mentioned and,
2: that, but we're just a couple seasons removed from Gabriel Davis. And uh, Stephen's gone. He's had
4: enough. He's had enough. Is Gabriel Davis
2: would end practices and take just a hundred or more balls from the drugs yep. machine and the practice facility. And then he got drafted in the NFL. I don't know about you kids there on the Knights team, Ryan and others listen to, to Gabe uh, biggie. It's a staple of your podcast.
3: Uh, what's your go-to sandwich? What's my go-to sandwich. It it really depends on my mood. I'll go with that right now. Obviously we're in Thanksgiving. So you can't go wrong trying to find a good Thanksgiving sandwich anywhere. Um the go-to always is Pom Poms cuz they always have it. Mama Linglings. Um but I know Four Rivers has has their Pilgrim and I know that Badass has their Thanksgiving sandwich. So I would say you really can't go wrong doing a little Thanksgiving uh, in between some bread. Uh definitely can't go
0: wrong without that.
2: All right, from sandwiches to X's and O's. Stephen, we've got you back. We see some
0: video. Yeah, thanks for the patience. All right. So um this is our first offensive play. Uh, this is something I would like to see more. Uh, a lot of uh, – throughout the entire game, this guy is kind of hanging out here, uh, you know, either floating between or coming on in pressure. Uh, probably about uh, 70 80% of the time he was coming on pressure. So I would like to see uh, – come back more to this, keep him honest, make him stay outside. Uh, and, you know, it's just an easy play to get Mikey Mikey in the game. Uh, this one was frustrating. We really didn't make many of these kinds of mistakes uh, in this game uh, as far as guys being in the right gap, being where they're supposed to be on defense. Uh, but uh, right here, this guy jumps inside, oh. 12. And you know, a lot of the time you'll see the guy outside and you're like, why, is he, why doesn't he try to make the tackle? Why doesn't he try to make the tackle? Um, but, you know, this time he, he should have been outside. Uh, and, and, you know, when they're outside, they're doing their job. And then also not great tackling in general. Um, no, You're, being, you're not, being generous.
4: You're being very <laughs> nice. nicest generous. thing I've heard all week. Yeah. <laughs> let's, go back,
0: uh, let's go back on offense real
2: quick. What has been frustrating to you uh, about watching the offense? I mean, we say it every week. When's it going to open up? Uh, what's frustrating as you watch the games? And especially as you break them down, you, uh, you do it so well on Twitter and you did one of those Twitter hangouts where you're talking about it. What's been most frustrating for
0: you? Yeah, I think... Uh, really, the biggest issue right now is uh, I think, you know, Mikey Keen hasn't had the reps. If if he had been the starter from preseason, he would have had, you know, hundreds more reps in practice. He'd be making these decisions a lot better. Uh, I think the game still does need to slow down for him somewhat. Uh, just, you know, having the confidence when he's in the pocket to wait for a defender to, you know, flip their hips or, you know, whatever. Uh, he, If he has that confidence and he's been there before, he'll be able to uh, make those reads, but he's just not quite there yet. And I think that that limits the play calling. Uh, And it just keeps us from being quite as efficient as we need to be to keep drives going. Can you slow-mo this down so we can see the missed tackles? (laughs) <laughs>
2: oh, just, we we Steve, all we all lived that Saturday with SMU. We don't need to see it slow.
4: Steven, I assume that you've probably watched every single play uh, UCF's had this year, probably multiple times. So you've probably seen as much football as anybody else. How does the offense change when Isaiah Bowser is not in the game? Do you see an appreciable difference in when you're watching video, uh, Bowser, when he's on the field versus when he's not?
0: Uh, in, terms, in terms of play calling, I don't think so really uh, in terms of success. I think, I don't know, I think it's just a trade-off really. And maybe maybe Bowser is what we need. Uh, just between Johnny Richardson and Bowser, uh, you know, you get more explosiveness with Johnny Richardson. But Bowser is going to get you that extra one or two yards in certain situations. And, you know, if, if we could be more efficient overall, Johnny Richardson may be, be the better guy just because of the plays he can make. Um, but probably this season we we would like Bowser more,
3: Steven, out of curiosity, how come we don't utilize more like the play action with as much run heaviness why why are we not doing the more of a play action uh in some of these play calls i'm I'm always amazed that we're not we don't utilize that and we also don't utilize like quick slants something that's quick and easy for Mikey I mean. I just it's very it's very confusing to see that we're not utilizing some things where especially when they're stacking the box and we're not actually trying to like okay well we're just gonna do play action then or we're gonna you know what I mean
0: yeah yeah um, I think Gus generally he has you know a few play action plays he likes to uh, keep in his back pocket and then uh, just in certain situations he likes to pull them out uh, you know maybe lull the dif- defense to sleep uh, I think I, what I'd like to see more than that in uh you know helping mikey out is but this kind of comes back to the decision making is uh kind of pre-snap rpo stuff like with the bubble screen on the first play i showed you uh where if that guy's coming into the box you know we throw it outside if he stays out there we run it and if we i think if we repped out a lot that just you know takes the pressure off of him from the perspective of like having to push the ball downfield as much and then you know you can mix it up and uh get a little pump and go off that as well you showed us a couple of plays do you have anything else there to show us yeah i mean i have a ton if you want uh (laughs) let's go show us
2: more missed tackles
0: (laughs) show us some drop balls no no keep going all right so here uh quadric bullard he's i mean the thing is most of the time uh, on this previous play, it wasn't the case, but most of the time the guys are in position to make the play and they just need to finish it. And so this is a situation, Quadric Bullard, he steps up right into his gap and he's there. He just doesn't quite get him, uh, and have some, you know, tackling issues and he, uh, the running back makes his way down the field. And I, when I was watching the film, we had a lot of run stops where, you know, it's one, two, three yards or behind the line of scrimmage. So it's really just, you know, making the plays and eliminating the explosive plays. The uh, defense seemed to be making
2: some strides in that three-game stretch with Memphis and Temple and uh, Tulane and uh, and then regressed a- against SMU. Quality of opponent issue there more than anything?
0: Yeah, I would say so. Like, here's an example of everybody, and this, is, this was kind of interesting. The first game or two, like, especially against Boise State, our run fits were just great. Everybody was where they were supposed to be. Uh, And I think as they got into the season, uh, you know, maybe like, you know, the camp, they, they just kind of lost that a little bit. And definitely that three game stretch was more of a tune up. And like here, everybody's in their gap. You get um, blue Jersey, white Jersey, blue Jersey, white Jersey, boom, 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 boom. Uh, And then we get the guy outside and you just, you know, guides him out of bounds. And that's really what you see more than guys making mistakes this year this is what they really punished us with uh oh sorry this is another good run play next play is what i'm thinking of this is what they were next play is the punishment the next play is the punishment
4: (laughs) wait for the punishment everybody
0: anytime we showed pressure um they were looking to go to the middle of the field which is not an abnormal thing i just think it took us a little while to uh adjust to that uh just also you know one thing you can do is one thing you could do is have the guys play uh, closer up. That's weird. Okay,
3: Steven, Let me you ask you that? this.
0: Oh, oh, go ahead. Hey.
3: I was going to say, Stephen, do you think that sometimes the reason we don't play closer up is because we're like, it's like that whole bend, but don't break it. You don't want to have the long ball. You don't want to get, you don't want to get the long pass. out oh, past them. Is that, do you think that's something? Cause I've noticed that quite a bit with our defense. Like it's kind of like we keep them in front of us. We don't want to get them, you know, obviously past us for 20 something yards. Um, is that kind of what you're seeing as well when it comes to us?
0: I don't know. And I, I think T will is really good at mixing it up. He does a lot of different stuff. Um, gives a lot of different looks. Has the guys coached up to disguise coverage as well. Um, I think here it's just recognize you're, you know, in the red zone. Um, but it also helps the disguise, him being this far back. If he, uh, you know, if he was up at the line of scrimmage or five yards away, you would know this guy's coming. It, it kind of takes away from the disguise. Uh, and, and Tara Mordecai is a great quarterback. He, he was really quick at recognizing all this stuff, especially when we were there in the middle to take that away. He uh, recognized it and went somewhere else really quickly. Well, Steve, let's wrap do, up with this. Do so, you have an
4: update on Devon Wilson's ankles? I think he left them on the three-yard line <laughs> on that on that defensive play. Do we know anything about those?
0: Uh, no, I
2: think they're still missing. Steven, a three-and-a-half-hour game, how long does it take you to rewatch and uh, break these plays down?
0: Um, really, just the video stuff is the, the rough part. It'll take anywhere from uh, three to six hours. Wow. Wow, for those <laughs> of us that watched it the first time. Yeah. Six hours
2: on that second go round. <laughs> you can find him on Twitter at Stephen Ulmer LL. That's correct, Stephen Ulmer LL.
0: I I actually am the. Oh, is it I I? Well. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay, I gave out the wrong Twitter handle. My bad. Uh, right, I got
0: you. you. I
4: covered. I got a cover Trace.
2: Okay, good. Yeah, I saw it as LL. When are you going to do a next? What are you going to do another one of your Twitter hangouts where you where you talk about plays?
0: Um. I don't know. The thing is I'm going to be at the next two games, so I won't be able to do it then, but I could do a live one. Maybe um, I guess just look for my Twitter threads. Gotcha. Steven, thanks for uh, showing us some video, helping us understand
2: some plays. And, and then maybe as we get closer to that bowl game at uh cure bowl matchup or whatever it ends up being, uh, we'll have you back on. Thanks
4: so much <laughs> for stopping
2: by. Sons of yeah, UCF thanks for five having tonight. Me. All right. Thank you, Steven. Yeah, thanks,
4: Steven. Hey, great job, Steven. Keep it up.
2: Wow, six hours.
4: Be right I, I thought a be Sons of episode was long. Jeez. <laughs> 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 a lot of drinking right there. A
2: lot of drinking. Uh, let's talk about some more positive things. Uh, Biggie, your, your sport here. Basketball. Ooh, that's that's good basketball. basketball, 63-54 over Jacksonville. Adam, not the prettiest game, but you're going to have some of those. Knights gutted it out, went on a run late, uh, won the turnover battle, got a couple of big threes from Brandon Mahan. They moved to 3-0 and on the season.
4: Yeah, encouraging. This is a game. I feel like a couple of years ago we would have lost this game. I, I remember we lost to FAU by one at the buzzer, right on some mm-hmm. rando tip in, right. This is a game a couple of years ago that maybe we find a way to uh, to just fumble. But uh, really, three words for this game for for me: Dre Fuller. Jr. I mean down the stretch he did pretty much everything offensively, defensively, made some free throws, made some big shots, nice dunk. Uh and I think that's the that's the thing you've seen so far with the Knights is they they have a lot of different weapons they can go to. They're very deep, uh, and they have a lot of guys that can they can play multiple positions. So the, the ability to be multiple to mix and match the lineup. And if one guy's not on, they bring another guy in, and, and it was Dre Fuller's night on, on Wednesday. Uh so that's that's exciting, because last year, I think I've said this before, we played six or seven guys max, and now we've played 11 guys so, so far throughout the year. So I like the versatility, uh, and it definitely shows a, a team. A gritty win at Miami. The refs tried to give that game to Miami, but um, unfortunately, Dre Fuller, again, six free throws down the stretch, wouldn't let him. Uh, and again, just a, a gutty performance. I think it's a game maybe a year ago, two years ago, Trace, that we find a way to fumble or goes to overtime or something like that. So you got to be encouraged to, to beat the teams you're supposed to beat.
3: Yeah, I totally agree with you Adam on that. It um definitely one of the deepest teams we've had in, in a very long period of time. Um I think I also think that Darius Perry's been been clutch. Um just being able to kind of everything from the the passing, he's just a little bit of everything just like Fuller does. Um and that's what I love that's what one of the things I do like about this team is that they're so well rounded um on having to do everything from the rebounding but looking Looking at watching that Jacksonville game, all I kept saying was like, I think like just looking at looking at stats from like the last three games, Darius Perry is going to be so important because of what he does um, of just being able to pass the ball. He rebounds well for a point guard. Um, So I think it's going to be very important to be able to do that. Not to mention, you know, the one thing that's always been an albatross for UCF basketball free throws um, and rebounding is going to be another one that's going to, like that's the one that I'm kind of the most really curious to see what's going to happen in the next two games. Um, are we going to be able to rebound? Um, and, and just because I know our guys can rebound because you saw them do it in Miami, but are they going to do it against the team in Jacksonville? Because I don't know if you heard MOD, he was talking about how Jacksonville is ranked to be like the 10th team, uh, 10th team on the, like one of the lower teams in the A-Sun, and, and they, they gave us fits, um, and they out-rebounded us. So
4: it's, uh, it's definitely interesting
2: decisively out rebounded Uh, coach Dawkins says this was a tough opponent
4: yeah I think a couple of things that uh, Biggie mentioned free throw shooting 82 percent of the season so far I mean that's a that's a nice number if we can keep that up the other Mm -hmm. stat I think that was telling last year we were we were high I think we averaged 16 turnovers a game as a team uh, averaging 11 so far so Mm -hmm. if we can cut the turnovers down uh, and look I like the inside thought the inside presence of, uh, of Mbake and Mm -hmm. C.J. Walker. I think you add those two in that front line, Trace. Mbake's averaging two and a half blocks a game. C.J.'s leading the team in six rebounds. Both crazy athletic guys can really cause havoc around the rim. I like those two down low late in the game really causing havoc and really kind of cleaning up the defense. And to to Biggie's point, you let some of the other guys on offense cook. Darius Perry has never met a shot he didn't like. Uh, (laughs) Brendan Mahan probably might be shooting right now because he seems like he shoots a lot. Uh, And they go in sometimes, which is fantastic. And then you get guys like Ty Freeman. You get guys like Isaiah Adams who can slash to the rim, draw contact, make free throws. It's a team that definitely can go deep if we can keep this up.
2: Let's hear from Coach Dawkins real quick.
1: Let's do that, Trace. Probably the most physical game we've had this year. And that's going to be good for us. And I thought our guys really responded well. I mean, look at the box score. I mean, everybody chipped in. You know, everybody contributed. And that's the makeup of our team. You know, you've heard me say it now probably for three games. And our strength is in our numbers. And our guys really have uh, responded that way. Everybody's given us positive minutes, whether scoring or rebounding or steals. But they're giving us something. And that's that's the kind of way we have to play this year. And uh, I think our guys are enjoying it.
2: Our strength is in our numbers. He's got to balance minutes. He's got to find guys. You know, he said that uh, he doesn't think of anything as a starting five. He wants everyone to think they're, uh, you know, a key contributor and difficulty, right? For a Dre Fuller, you're sitting there cold, you come off the bench and you contribute. And that's what's going to happen for these guys. Uh, Biggie, you you had Kirk's jerks. Shouldn't by this point, five years in or so, shouldn't there be some sort of student, uh, you know, embrace of johnny dawkins uh, uh, johnny's jerks can't we revive the jerks in some
3: fashion people people have brought that up and 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 it's something that i'm kind of curious because like when we created Kirk's jerks we did it just because we were fans and we were just obsessed and and you would think that that kind of buildup in that stadium i mean the the fans are showing up so it's like we just need to be able to they need i mean it's got to be kind of almost organic they got to be able to do it and I think that's kind of you know Johnny's jerks. I don't I don't know if I would work as well for Johnny just because he's he's just seems so nice. Um, not that Kirk wasn't nice, but there Kirk was nothing was nice. that rhymed, but nothing rhymes with Kirk. That was the whole problem. So that's why we <laughs> went with Kirk's jerks. <laughs> uh, yeah. So but, it's a rhyming. It's a rhyming. Well, you gotta issue. have some. It's gotta yeah, have Dawkins. a love to it.
1: Yeah, we're not going to
3: call him Duncan's delinquents or something like that. That doesn't work. None of those (laughs) things work. But I mean, but I do think that like the really, like the one thing I've told, I've always said about like how the home court advantage and the field and the fans, like those all play a factor. And yeah, I do think that we need to support more Johnny. I think everyone is always kind of hoping that um. (laughs) got soft uh well it, we got i will tell you this kirk's jerks definitely changed once i went to the new arena because the new arena was a totally different animal um yeah. compared to what it was so yeah i definitely understand what you're talking about lonely bumblebee um but <laughs> but i do think that they, you can always should, count on uh,
2: lonely bumblebee for something, <laughs> something that will disrupt you in the flow of this uh Fam- so. Bumblebees. Yeah,
3: but nice. i do think that there should be some more fan support and i do like in the sense of uh kind of like almost endearing more johnny and and doing something. But I think that's something that just kind of happens.
2: Gotcha. The uh, Knights already have a road win. Uh, They uh, got one at Miami Saturday. They hit the road again this Saturday at Evansville, two o'clock. Then they have the week off until Oklahoma comes to town. Adam, you're going to be at that one. I will be there. Very good. Black Friday weekend. Uh, That's good. Let's uh, quickly go around the kingdom. A couple other sports before we dig into these mailbag questions. Volleyball swept the cows. Uh, you like that. Uh, That's 18 straight wins over the cows. I'd love that to be in other sports as well. War on I, four points awarded. Knights up 15-9. Knights are 24th last time I checked in the RPI. uh, They play Temple Friday at home in the venue. Uh, that is senior night. Women's basketball, quality win. Beat Virginia on the road, 59-38, move to 2-1. and one. Tay Sanders with 15 points. They welcome in a tough Belmont uh, on uh, Sunday at uh, 2 o'clock. All right, mailbag questions. We'll rotate these. Uh, You know, our friend JP Gilbert just started a whole thing calling for the strength and conditioning coaches had in in so many words the other day on Twitter. And that is about the time I posted, Hey, you got any questions? And then, Oh, you know, here at Golden Knight underscore the second with a comical amount of injuries this season. Do we question the strength and conditioning staff? Are they doing a poor job at J.A. Hathaway? Jim, is it possible the injury bug is due to poor training or is it just monumental bad luck? I do see JP's point a little bit. I haven't figured out how quite to artfully ask this of of Gus about strength and conditioning, but I can't imagine this is a Chris Dawson problem, right? Yeah, I think,
4: Trace, it depends on the injury. Like, I mean, I, I refuse to think that strength and conditioning broke Dylan's collarbone. Uh, we saw Bowser take a shot right to the knee. I don't think that's a strength and conditioning issue. We, we, you know, we know Ricky Barber had a knee injury. I don't know that that's strength and conditioning. Now, if you want to say some soft tissue injuries, uh, hamstring pulls, things like that, then I would buy it more. Uh, you mentioned Bryson Armstrong with, a, with an ACL. I guess if you want to attribute that to overuse, overtraining, I guess you could go that route as well. So I, I think some of these things are just, you know, accidents in a bubble. Uh, was, was Gus overtraining? Is that why he, he has a broken leg? Was he, was he hitting the CrossFit circuit in his spare time when he wasn't calling screenplays? I don't know. But I, I just don't think it's – I think there's probably some element of it, but I think some of these are just free plays, bad luck, you know, and if you need more, more examples, see Gabriel Kama Dylan.
2: Yeah, we uh, covered at Dan R. Cundiff's question. He asked about Mark Anthony Richards. It's, you know, he's got to be able to block a little bit better. But uh, it was interesting, Nick, said, get him in there, you know. I mean, you got to keep your options open at running back. Uh, my buddy Christian had by C.A. Simmons. Favorite conflict moment of all time. Let me just wrap this in with Zebel's UCF. Trace doesn't seem to love the time-honored civil conflict. <laughs> I don't mind the jokiness of it. I am surprised that UCF is acknowledging in it. In its game notes, I know they're trying to have a little fun with it, but I just like to think that we're above that at this point. We're better than that. The the real trophy happens on Black Friday when the Knights can take the series advantage. So all this silliness with with UConn. Uh, My favorite conflict moment, though, is just leaving the trophy. On the side of the field, um, I was going to get to this with Nick, but we kind of ran out of time there. At eight hundred eight H I L I, do you see Keen improving? Do you see sparks of greatness? Do you feel his talent is limited? I kind of think it's a little bit of all of that. He th- has thrown some good balls at times, right? And then he makes some freshman mistakes. I think it's too soon to say whether he's QB one of the future.
3: I I definitely agree with you. I, I'm not. I've I learned my lesson. I learned my lesson with uh. I'm going to be, I'll be honest with you. I learned my lesson with Mackenzie. I, I was like, I, I had issues when I saw the cure bowl and I was like, I'm like, is this guy, is this really the guy? And then I found it to be very interesting. Cause later on, I found out you never know what the underlying things are going on with that player. And I remember talking to Kyle Israel and Kyle Israel was saying, well, he actually had a shoulder injury and he was, he was having all these issues. And then I was like, Oh, I didn't know that. And then all of a sudden the next year it kind of went. So I'm definitely gonna. I, I'm all about giving giving a positive app. You know, I'm, I definitely think it's gonna happen. We're gonna see. We just have to see him mature. And he basically got thrown in. He was not expecting to play. Um, so I mean, I I don't know if I want to put it on him or I put it on the coaches because I also feel like the coaches, Gus, should have maybe said a little bit like, "Hey, Mikey, what are you comfortable with? What are you might comfortable playing running? Why don't we do some more of that for you?" Let's get you comfortable so we can get you running. Cause we got we got the dogs. Let's go. Let's get let's get you let's help you get to be successful and lead our team.
2: How
4: about Biggie that- fifty
3: five
2: minutes in, name dropping?
4: <laughs> Trace, I think it, I think it's uh, a little bit on us too, right? I think it's unfair because we look at, we all saw Dylan Gabriel have a fantastic freshman season, right? So now we think that's what happens, right? Or we all say, hey, this guy's the next McKenzie Milton, and we expect him to make that McKenzie Milton-like jump. So we have also le- heaped unfair expectations on Mikey Keen because, right. um, spoiler alert, if he ends up being the third you know, uh, best quarterback between Dylan, McKenzie, and himself, that's not a bad place to be at. So I think there's some unfair expectations that we've heaped on him as well. I do think you see pockets of times where you go, okay. Mikey's figuring it out. That's a great throw, but I think he gets locked in on a receiver. It's not there. He scrambles to the to the sideline, and and God love us, he probably gets as a uh, uh, an intentional grounding penalty. I think you're just gonna have to live with those things in between. But I think a lot of it's the expectation because we want him okay. to be Dylan Gabriel or Mackenzie Milton.
2: Don't sleep on that Parker Navarro who scored at SMU, our buddy Lynn, off kickoff coverage. Uh, at Lynn Cheek, AXO. What position group do you think we are most in need of? You I wrote down, down just one.
4: <laughs> I wrote down in my notes all of them. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think if we learned anything, we learned we need more depth, right? We have some yeah. top line talent, a lot of positions, uh, but we 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 don't have the depth we need. If one guy can't go, then that's when we get in trouble. So I don't know why we wouldn't stack all of them. I know we don't have you know unlimited spots to bring guys in, but I think all of them.
2: How about this one, Biggie at Music City mensch uh, Which position group do you think will look better in twenty twenty two than we are expecting?
3: I'm going, to, I'm going to go with the secondary, and that's just because they've gotten so many years of experience. I mean, when you're thrown in the fire for so long, I mean, they started, they're so young. Um, I'm going to go with them. I, as much as I want to say wide receiver, I'm going to go with the secondary.
2: And Michael Casey, too, is saving a year and not returning a possibility for DG. He's got a lot of eligibility left, right? <laughs> he
3: hasn't burned through
2: this year's.
4: Well, yeah, I mean, well, let's, Yeah, that's that's a great question. So, technically speaking, even though it's his third year, he's got the free COVID year, so he's he's got a free year. So he's only played two seasons. If he doesn't play this year, does he get a medical redshirt? I don't really know. He could. He's going to be like twenty nine uh, when he when he gets done with college if he wants to use all of his eligibility. Uh, Is so
2: he a BYU I, I, Cougar all of a
4: sudden? <laughs> <laughs> him and Chris care? Winkie are hanging out um, somewhere yeah. someplace. I I don't know that he. You know, I, again, I I think he probably wanted to to test the league this year. Right. And I think not being able to play is gonna put him in a spot to make a decision. Does he come back and, and try for one more season? You know, does he does he put his name in the hat for the NFL? Or the dreaded transfer option? Does does a, a school from you know one of the top tier programs come back and, and try to pull him away from UCF? I think those are the three options probably in front of him right now.
2: Where can you sell more air fresheners and fanny packs? Oh, that may be what he's considering. Yeah,
4: two letters, two words. Robert, good to see you. How about
2: his cameo in this week's walk and talk? He says, what is a successful season look like in 2022? 15-0, and 0, Robert. <laughs> As we talk about expectations, right? <laughs> Just every game. Got to win every game. Our buddy Brian W. Peterson, he's asking now, go back to that bowl. Which uh, bowl do you think UCF accepts and why? I do think it matters, right? If it's 6-6 six and six and they somehow stumble with UConn and the cows, uh, they're not getting one of those better bowl matchups. but get to eight wins, right? And I think that's where those things like military uh, and Birmingham play with the so-called Power Five well, schools. I think those are better be-
4: matchups ultimately. Well, yeah, what do you guys prefer? Do you prefer location or do you want matchup? Do you want to go to a, a cool spot like a Fenway where you don't see a lot of football or be a cool atmosphere, or do you want a good matchup? Which would you two prefer?
3: I I would prefer a good matchup. I The location's great and everything, but I prefer a good matchup. Now, at the same time, I will say... I don't, I don't want to play. If we're playing the offense that we're playing right now, or the way we're playing right now, I don't know if I want to play play one uh, a power uh, like I, it sounds horrible. But I don't want to play like a Florida, even though they're horrible. I they don't gave up forty two in the first half to Sam. Hey man, from, come Hey, on. hey, I understand that, but I'm just saying. Like, I, I don't. I've already been. You know, what I mean, I've done. Granted, don't get me wrong. I'd love to go to Fenway and go see UCF play at Fenway. But I really want to see us play a better a better team, better opponent than play a, a crappy team. Biggie,
2: we appreciate you having been with us tonight. Go ahead, plug all of your many things that you're doing. Talk about Delhi Fresh Threads for a second, which you um, know would be a great sponsor. For the sons of ucf live but we'll give you this free spot right here all right thanks i
3: appreciate <laughs> it um so deli fresh threads um so before i did own a ucf uh, clothing brand and then i learned very quickly if your team does not win um, people don't buy so i went with my second love which is sandwiches um, and i basically created a clothing brand that's sandwich themed everything comes wrapped like a sandwich packed like a sandwich even comes in a brown paper bag with a deli note uh and i've been doing that for about eight years and I still have a full time job, but I do that for eight years. And then I just started a podcast just because I love um, supporting other small businesses. And so and talking and telling people having shared their stories just because there's so many different interesting businesses similar to mine. Um, so I created a podcast called Lunch with Biggie, uh, where I talk to do my lunch break. And I basically talk with different small businesses and have them share And maybe inspire you to motivate you to actually do something that you've been wanting to do. Because there's nothing worse than someone who talks a lot and just doesn't do anything about it.
2: Talks a lot. It sounds like subscribe. a promo for the sun. Like, it sounds like
4: a suns of UCF review right, right there. Actually, <laughs>
2: I was pleasantly surprised uh, listening to your podcast. I thought it was going to be a little more foodie talk uh, that you were going to be doing, you know, restaurant yeah. reviews and talking about sandwiches. And I really have enjoyed the conversations. You really do a good job with it. So uh, it's I appreciate uh, the it. My rotation of uh, a podcast listens.
3: Oh, I appreciate it. I do talk to a lot of sam- uh, businesses that are sandwich shops and stuff like that, but I. I didn't think people would want to talk about or have a long conversation about the layering of an Italian sub and what what's the importance of it for 30 minutes. I don't I didn't think uh, as much as I would enjoy it. I don't think they would. So I figured this would be a good way of uh, being able to incorporate. I do obviously do ask the question, what is your favorite sandwich? So I'm going to ask the question to you guys since I have a few seconds left. Adam, favorite sandwich. Trace, favorite sandwich.
4: Yeah, I'm going to go with a uh, song from South Florida. Give me a La Spada sub. I'm not oh. sure if you're, if you're familiar with that. Yep, Give me yep. a La Spada. Give me a little turkey roast beef, uh, sweet peppers on top. Uh, some of that uh, oil and vinegar. Delish. Nice.
2: I'm not sure that I have one favorite, but love a good Cuban sandwich, especially okay. in Florida. So put me down for that. You know, there's no replacing UCF, Mike, but you've done a pretty good job.
3: Tonight. i appreciate it guys it was a, i was i'm not gonna lie i was a little i was very nervous i don't ever get the opportunity to talk ucf everyone uh so i do really appreciate it i i absolutely love it you guys do a hell of a job so uh thank you so much for letting me be a part of it
2: adam should we have him back again next week or are we gonna let mike back bike <laughs> back into the box here
3: mike might not notice
2: <laughs> especially since we're going to be on wednesday from eight to nine yeah, yeah. Mike he right may show up thursday
4: like what are we doing
2: <laughs> 7:59, where are they
4: <laughs> I, I i see mike thursday turkey leg in hand just wondering where everybody's at is how i picture that happening <laughs>
2: All right, we're going to be talking about the real rival, not the civil conflict. We're going to be talking about the cows.
4: of fighting words. Who is UCF,
2: Mike? He's no UCF biggie, that's for sure. Biggie, you are a legend uh, amongst uh, UCF Knight Nation. I have long known who you were. It was great to finally meet you a couple weeks back and great to have you on the Sons of UCF Live. And and now I've got to go look at that YouTube video and and check out all the uh, the views that you have.
3: Gotcha. Thank you guys very much. Happy Thanksgiving, and uh, you guys do a heck of a job. So be very proud of yourself and and hopefully next week you guys are talking about a whole different offense and a whole bunch of uh, points and a in a good uh, civil conflict that's not really a conflict.
2: Gotcha. For Adam and UCF Biggie, I'm Trey Strollco
3: Go Knights!
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.